love me? Yes or no? It's a straightforward, clear-cut, easy-to-articulate question with a straightforward, clear-cut, easy-to-answer response. Yes or no? Do you love me? Do you love me? I had a girlfriend who said to me, there is no wiggle room here. There's no maybe I love you, perhaps I love you, I want to love you. There is only yes or no. I love you or I don't. You can love me tender and you can love me true or not. At least that's how she said it. And the answer, of course, had to be yes, or I was in the doghouse. Do you love me? Yes or no? Jesus' question is similar to this one. He uh, articulates it as one of those conditional sentences. He says, if you love me, if, if, if you love me, Jesus, what are you talking about? What kind of question is that? Of course I love you, Jesus. Of course. What do you mean, if? Of course I love you. There is no room for if. Yes, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Lord and Master, I love you. Yes, of course, when Jesus says, if you love me, our answer should be, of course we love you. Right? Yes. I, I, I don't think I believe you. When we say, yes, Jesus, yes, we love you, our answer should be? Yes. That's right, right? Right. I was getting a little bit worried about it there. In Greek as well as in English, Jesus is using what's known as a conditional sentence that assumes the answer is correct. So, if you love me and you do, let's try doing that by saying, and we do. I will say, if you love me, and I want you to say, and we do, okay? If you love me, and we do. Oh, come on. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, he said amen over there, and most of us are going, huh? Commandments? I mean, quite frankly, if we love Jesus, then that ought to be good enough, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, Jesus. That's hard. I mean, come on. I'd rather bake you a cake. I'd rather spend more time with you. I'd rather go to the movies with you. On Friday night, I got to go see the new Godzilla movie. Wow, that was a lot of fun. I love you, so let's go to the zoo. That sounds like a good response to me. Not, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Uh, do I have to, Jesus? 
Maybe his commandments are going to be easy. Maybe they're going to be simple. Maybe, maybe it's just going to be so simple. And guess what? They are simple. There's only one commandment. It's from the next chapter over. In John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh, no! Love one another? I'm not sure I love the person sitting next to me. i got to love everybody. I'm not even sure I like them very much. Do I have to love them? And notice, it's not, it's not the sloppy kind of syrupy sweet love that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking, he's talking about agape love. Agape love. There you see it in Greek at the top. Agape. And it's the noun version of the word. And it means literally considering the needs of another. Considering the needs of another as more important than or essential to your own needs. Usually we think about love and we think about loving others because we have been loved. Or uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of love. We talk about loving in response to having been loved. No. No. That's not divine holy love. Divine holy love considers the needs of the other as more important than or essential to your own needs. Ooh, that's tough love, friends. That's the kind of love that does not quit. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of problems, regardless of disasters, regardless of disagreements, regardless of arguments, regardless of fights, regardless of agenda, it is the love that does not quit, and in fact, it is the love that sets everything else aside. Agape love sets everything else aside in favor of considering the needs of the other as more important than or essential to your own needs. That essential to is actually deeper. It means that your welfare, your concerns, your needs are governed by whether or not the other person's needs and welfare are met and taken care of. That's the essence of agape love. That's the essence of unconditional love. That's the essence of divine, holy love. That's the word Jesus is using here. If you love me... Oh, God. After three years, you'd think I'd have you trained. If you love me... You will keep my commandments and this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you wow that's a pretty tall order Jesus after all what did Jesus do Jesus died for us but more than that you know the other passage of scripture greater love hath no man than this that he give lay down his life for his friends 
Jesus did far more than even that. As God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped or maintained, but emptied himself into the form of a servant, into the form of a slave, and became one of us to experience life as one of us, to experience the pains and the joys, the hopes and the dreams, the difficulties, the frustrations of what it means to be a human being, to be alive in this life. God experienced life with us as one of us. And then... Having taught us how much God loves us, He then shows us how much God loves us by defeating sin and death, by destroying and wiping out the power of sin and death, by taking upon Himself the separation that we merit from God so that we would never have to fear the Father. That's true love. That's agape love. That's the love that considers the needs of the other, of us, as more important than or essential to God's needs. Wow. The fundamental basis and essence of grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, is love. Agape love. Not because we merit it, because we don't. Not because we deserve it, because we don't. Not because we have earned it, because we can't. But because we need it. God has considered our need supremely and gives us divine grace, love and favor in the form of Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord. That's what it means to fulfill the commandment of Jesus. To love. Unrestricted. Unlimited. Unconditional. Without strings. Without limits. Without taking back. Without hedging bets. Total and complete, unlimited, unearned love. That's what it means to keep the commandment of Jesus. Oh, that's tough. That kind of love is impossible for us. Doing that, keeping the commandments of Jesus, the commandment of Jesus. This is my commandment that you love one another. Is impossible. For us, by our own strength, by our own ability, by our own wisdom, by our own understanding, by our own power, by our own will, it is impossible for us to keep that commandment. Therefore, Jesus makes provision. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. Some translations render that another counselor. To be with you forever. Not temporarily, not for a moment, not for a time and then to leave again. As happened with the prophets of old, when the the Holy Spirit would come upon a prophet of old, the Holy Spirit would come for a time and for a season and then would leave. No longer temporary infilling of the Holy Spirit, friends. 
who will be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit of God, the, the spirit of truth. Very important conception or idea here, the spirit of truth. Aletheia is the Greek word that is translated as truth in the English, and it means uprightness. It means truth to principle. It means truthfulness, dependability, uprightness and thought and deed in accord with what is true. So the spirit that is in accord with what is true with God, the spirit that is in accord with what is true with the Father, the spirit that is in accord with what is true with Jesus, the spirit that is in accord with what is true with the will of God. This Holy Spirit, this spirit of truth comes to us. And notice it says, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I love the tenses in Greek or in any language. The tenses are important. Pay attention to the tenses here. You know him because he abides with you. That's all present tense. You know him because he abides with you. Right now, this very instant. And he will be with you. That's the future tense. So he's with you now, and yet he is still to come. He is with you this very instant, and he is still coming, or possibly he is with you now and will never stop being with you. He will be in you. He's not going to leave. He's not going to depart. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you orphaned. He's going to be with you continually. That's the idea here. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. It's not going to quit. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you. So when you come up with this concept or this idea, when you confront the reality that we are called to love, this is my commandment that you love one another. If you love me, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what it means. Love. And how do you get it? The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. God's presence within us who comes to us and doesn't leave us, doesn't orphan us, stays with us. Because it's true, by our own ability, by our own strength, by our own will, we can't do it. By our own ability, by our own strength, by our own will, we're going to fail at loving one another. We're going to fail at expressing the love of God to all. We're going to fail at considering the needs of the other as more important than or essential to your own need. That's what's going on in the church today. The United Methodist Church as a denomination today is suffering not from an issue or a war or a disagreement over politics or structure of government. Those are issues that are important, but that's not the real problem. The real problem with the denomination is a lack of the spirit 
of truth, a lack of the Holy Spirit, a lack of the love of God, a lack of agape love in our midst, a lack of living as Christ has taught us to live, a lack of following the commandments of Jesus and living that one commandment that this is my commandment that you love one another. For if you love me, we will keep his commandments. Right? Right? But we don't. We don't. There are people in the church, clergy in our denomination, who prefer to abide by this book, the book of discipline of the United Methodist Church, and not to the commandment of Jesus that we love one another. There's not much love in some of the responses I've been seeing over the last several weeks from some of my fellow clergy. It started with 40, it went to 60, and now it's up to 80 clergy who got together to say, the answer to our problems is to split as a denomination. The answer to our problem on, on those clergy who will violate the discipline by doing gay marriages is to split the denomination. I disagree. The answer is not to split. I love my brothers and sister clergy. I love them on the left and the right. I love those who believe that their calling to offer pastoral care to the gays and lesbians in their churches is to perform gay weddings for them. I love them. But like them, when I stood before the bishop, I agreed that I would uphold this book and make sure, I had to do it in first service, I have to do it again today, make sure that the 2,719, 2,719 different rules that make up the book of discipline. Make sure that all of these rules are applied in the churches that I pastor and that I abide by them. When I was ordained, I stood before the bishop and the bishop asked me the question, do you know the general rules of our church? The answer had to be yes. Will you keep them? And the answer had to be yes. And all those other clergy who have done these weddings said yes too. And guess what? Just because a rule that is now in this book wasn't in this book then doesn't mean that we get off the hook. When I was ordained in 1994, the regulation against doing gay marriages was not in the book of discipline. Wow. That means that when it changes, you've got to accept it. Ooh. I have never broken that rule because I believe in keeping the covenant that we've made. And yet I love my brothers and sisters on both sides. Those who say that keeping the covenant is important and those who say that doing the work of the gospel, of proclaiming the good news of the love of God, the agape love of God, the love that comes without strings attached is important. They're both right. And they're both wrong. 
for violating the covenant is a mistake. But the answer is not to split the church. I see that as a violation of the covenant too. To call for the split of the church is a violation of the covenant in and of itself. It's a violation of the covenant to call for schism because it doesn't flow from love. It doesn't flow from considering the needs of the other as being more important than or essential to your own needs. And my brothers and sisters, everybody on the left and everybody on the right is essential to me. Just as each and every one of you is essential to me. Just as you, Jay, you're essential to me. Just as you, David, you're essential to me. Rick, you're essential to me. Joanne, you're essential to me. Lisa, you're essential to me. Misty, you're essential to me. Mindy, you're essential to me. Tom, well, maybe not you. You are essential to me. Marianne, Jan, you're essential to me. Gail, you're essential to me. You are all essential to me. If I disagree with something you're doing, that is not license for me to say, okay, let's split. Sorry, no. Because agape love calls us to be together. Agape love calls us to find a solution other than splitting. A solution that is built upon the commandment of Jesus that we love one another. Each of you is essential to me. Just as all those clergy on the left and all those clergy on the right, they are essential to me too. And we are called to love one another. Jesus asks all of us, do you love me? Do we love him? Yes, we do. Then we should keep his commandment. And he says later on in the passage that we read this morning, that he will know us, and we will know those who love God when we keep His commandment, that we love one another. My prayer for Northgate is that you love one another. Despite disagreements at council meetings, despite your disagreements in Sunday school class meetings, despite disagreements in whatever context they may occur, that you love one another is the commandment that we have from Jesus. Before anything else, that's number one. And if we can't do that, we're going to fail in all the rest. And the only way to do that, the only way to love one another, the only way to keep the commandment is by faith, trusting in the presence of the Spirit of truth within us that the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, God's presence within us, who remains with us and abides with us, who will be in us forever, will take us in hand and lead us in considering the needs of the other as more important than 
or essential to our own needs. May this be true for Northgate. May this be true for the North Texas Conference. May this be true for Methodism everywhere that we follow the commandment of Christ and love one another. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In your You have been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of Northgate United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at Northgate United Methodist Church, 3700 West Northgate Drive, Irving, Texas, 75062. This program was produced by Dr. Gregory Neal.